Welcome to City Council. I'm Paula Viganallen. And I'm Ellery Smith. And whatever little noises you hear, that's Valentino, my dog. <laughs> or me telling Valentino how beautiful he is. And He's how really beautiful. Worthy of love. He's so. I love that dogs get affirmations like that. They I need know, them. Literally. You know, we all need them. Um, we are really excited for today's episode because oh we God. have an incredible interview with comedian. TV maker, <laughs> show maker, uh, Adam Conover. Uh, it was so good. It was such a fun so interview. Great. He had such good insight about so many stuff. He's so a many great interviewer. He's I was like interviewer. taking tips on how to be on a podcast from him. I'm like, okay, bitch, energy up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I did sort of have a feeling that we could sort of set him up and he would go, but he was really good at doing just that. Yeah, because he knows so much. Yeah, so true. Um, but first, we got to get to our trivia game. Do you want to go first or should I? You can go first. Okay. As always, I have some fill in the blanks. Today, North Korea fired a blank. <laughs> that was my question. <laughs> over too. the country of blank. It was. And um, many residents were warned to take cover. It was a missile over Japan and it landed in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, did it? It landed in the Pacific Ocean. Wait, why didn't we get an alert? Well, because it flew over Japan, and it just like it just landed in the ocean. It wasn't like oh, on the other side of Japan. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Japan had to issue a warning and then like take it back, and the train stopped and everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do that you remember was... when somebody did that alert by accident in Hawaii, where they were like, yeah, nuclear. and they literally thought they were gonna die for thirty <laughs> minutes, and they didn't have the password, and to like shut it down. That's so funny. I've seen a movie about that. When movie. when people in Hawaii think they're dying, it's funny. I mean, <laughs> not in a ha ha way, but in a hmm kind of way. In a know? makes you question everything makes about the you, system kind makes of way. You think about it. I mean, ultimately, it is funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Trump's news network blank seeking four hundred and seventy-five million in damages for defamation. Oh, he sues a network. He sued a TV network. Which network? MSNBC, CNN. CNN, Okay, I almost said CNN. The lawsuit says that CNN falsely labeled Trump as an insurrectionist. Ooh. Okay. National Archives alerted Trump lawyers back in 2021 about missing letters from blank. About missing? Is this from a person? Sort of, yeah. Or an entity. But you would be right to, to land on a person. Missing letters from the Department of Justice? I don't know. North Korea. North Korea? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, I need to do a little segue. I've been listening to a podcast called Real Dictators, and it's all about dictators, and, like, the first three episodes are about the Kims in North Korea. Oh, really? And one problem that I... The podcast is really good and really, like, gives me a lot of information. I mostly want it because I feel like I have no historical context for, like, a lot of shit. But it also kind of, like, sometimes the way that the people he, he, he gets, like, sound bites from talk about dictators it like really glamorizes how oh, much that's like it was so like funny. Stalin came from nothing to kill so many people <laughs> and I'm like okay that's a little bit much that's so funny uh, it makes him like sort of sexy he, it, yeah it's like a weird they're like and he was a bright child and he did great with poetry and I'm like but okay let's okay, get to the murder because still... he murdered all those people Listen, and also I don't think they're all that I think sometimes people okay sure he was exiled in Siberia and came <laughs> back from that but you know there's, I don't think all dictators are, are, you know, brilliant. So true. I mean, listen, Mussolini planted the most trees out of any Italian president. You keep saying that. That's your and only fa- oh, That's the only redeeming factor true. you have. It's always about true. Italy. Uh, I mean, shout out it to literally the, is the only redeeming factor about Italy. Shout out to the LA Italian Festival that Ellery <laughs> voted this week. I'm, I'm glad that I was out of town. I'm I was like, I had, I was walking Tino to Runyon and I was like, oh, should I, can I go through? And they were like, oh, you can't get out the other side. So I just chose not to see what was happening, yeah, which was it. really bad. Worth it. I mean, what are they going to have? Pizza? I not don't know, even. but pizza's good. Okay. Um, Pasta? Somebody else did it first. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to all of our Italian fans. Okay, today the prosecution made its opening remarks in the U.S. trial against blank for sedition. Oh, against blank for sedition. A group. Oath Keepers? Yes. Oh my god. Good job. Nailed it. Cool. Today was the deadline for ransom in the cyber ransomware attack against the blank. This one is local. I don't know. The LAUSD. Oh, sh- oh fuck yeah. One of my students was affected by that. No way. What happened? They had hacked into... He couldn't get his his like homework and stuff because they had <gasps> hacked into the thing and they, and they had to shut everything down. What is the fucking... I mean, I get that the ransom is the point, but I'm like, why the LAUSD and not like... You know, because they want to keep an uneducated proletariat. I mean, maybe, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, why not the water and power system? It yeah. just seems like sort of a strange target, but it's very interesting. Maybe they have more hope in the children than they do in the water and power system. 
<laughs> Honestly, probably. It came out today that Georgia Senate candidate blank paid his girlfriend to have a blank. Oh, shit. Somebody got paid to have an abortion? Yes, who? Very famous guy. Has a famous TikTok son. Oh, Herschel Walker. Yes! Oh, wait. Okay, that puts into context some stuff. Wait. It happened like 20, 15 minutes, minutes ago. ago? Yeah, yeah, so I know you don't. Okay. Wait, are you talking about the thread? his thread? Damn it, yes! Oh, that's so funny. I haven't seen all of it. Okay. I haven't seen all of okay. it. Okay, okay. I just saw the big one. Okay. Okay, this is my last one. Today, the lawyer for the LAPD officer killed during blank said that he had reported a group of fellow officers for blank. Gang rape. Yeah. I was, I was like, that can't, I was, I looked at that and I was like, I can't make that into a trivia question. <laughs> and yet I did. So intense. So it intense. Was fucking insane. Look it up. He was there killed was during a, like, a, a protest. How do you, how would you say it? Test run? Practice? I don't know. They were, they were, he was, they were training to, how to corral or control protests. And during that training, one LAPD officer died and... That was the officer who had... Who had reported another group of officers for a gang rape. And one of the four of them was there when that happened, when yes. he died. yeah. I don't know if better training is going to do it, people. You know... They were training. Okay. Since you got half of my questions <laughs> I mean... Well, let's go to uh, the Christian Walker tweet. What did he tweet about his father? Basically, what I saw was that he was like, you left me and my mom to go bang a bunch of women. We had to move six times in six months because of the domestic violence threats. And fuck you, you're a liar. What did he say about every family member? Oh, that everybody had asked him not to run. Every family member of Herschel Walker asked him not to run for office because we all knew some of his past, every single one. He decided to give us a middle finger and air out all of his dirty laundry in public while simultaneously lying about it. I'm done. Shout out to Ken Klippenstein who, who, uh, Posted his newsletter underneath that <laughs> to say, like, oh, really? <laughs> get my newsletter for more Christian you Walker. You know what, Ken? I don't care. I'm like, we, love the, still. Yeah, we um, love the hustle. And then in his, in other tweets, Christian Walker said, I know my mom and I would really appreciate if my father, Herschel Walker, stopped lying and making a mockery of us. You're not a family man when you left us to bang a bunch of women, threatened to kill us, and had us move over six times in six months running from your violence. I don't care about someone who has a bad past and takes accountability, but how dare you lie and act as though you're some moral Christian upright man. You've lived a life of destroying other people's lives. How dare you? I would argue um, he did, but then also, is Christian Walker doing good with his life? <laughs> I mean, he has made quite the heel turn the last few months. So. Oh, he has? Yeah, haven't you seen he's sort of like taken a more neutral stance? I would even say to the left. Oh, really? Yeah. But I'm like, that's what I mean. Like, when people, and I'm also like, so you would, I mean, when people take a hard right stance, it's, and you can tell that it's for followers or attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it worked for him. I mean, it does. That's the problem is that it works. It's yeah. Out, it's outrage machine. Kim Kardashian has to pay how much to whom for doing what? No way. Who? What? $1.3 million to the SEC for touting a crypto token that she didn't, way. she didn't claim to be promoting, which she was. She was, like, supposed to be promoting it. She didn't, you know, she was, like, oh my God. pushing it. Okay, Matt Damon next. <laughs> Wait, oh, yeah, because he had the whole thing. He had the whole thing. Okay, so Rudy Giuliani recently said that sanctions in Iran were working because of what examples? What examples did he give of sanctions actually working against Iran? What is he going to say? It's not good. They're going to be overthrown. The people of Iran obviously have now had enough. The sanctions are working. The currency is going to nothing. They're where Russia was. They're where Poland was. We see signs of young men and women saying, give me some food. We saw a sign of a man trying to sell his internal organs for 500 American dollars. Oh. Probably a fortune in Iran. Oh, my God. This is truly pitiful. These are the kinds of conditions that lead to successful revolution and, God willing, nonviolent revolution. Ah! This, okay, so I am listening to that Dictators podcast. <laughs> 
And it was talking about how Stalin like saw how effective violence was and he didn't care like how many of the workers died in the path towards revolution. And he's acting like people starving and selling their internal organs are nonviolent yeah. actions. That is violence. That poverty is oh violence. Oh my god. Talk about somebody I want to spray with a water bottle all the time. Like I'm just like <laughs> Okay. Context for listeners. We when my dog comes up and tries to get on the couch, we have to spray him with a water bottle. We just we just threaten him with but it. But I'm like, Rudy, like that's so He's like, yay, people are starving and trying to sell he, their he kidneys for money. He literally is framing somebody selling their internal organs as a good thing. As a good sign. Yo. Okay. What did Harry Styles do at his concert and who was in the audience? Jack off Olivia Wilde. Oh my god. I don't know. <laughs> for some reason, Jack Antonoff was in my head because oh. he said Jack <laughs> off. Okay. No, Harry Styles displayed his support for Beto O'Rourke by having a sticker on his guitar that said Beto for Texas. The people in the audience were Beto O'Rourke and Greg Abbott's daughter. Good. So she Good. saw her dad get cucked Good. by Harry Styles. Do you think, I mean, realistically, I'm like, does, look, he's there. He's does like, Greg cheering. Abbott's. Ah, no, ah, he's cute. Beto O'Rourke? Yeah, Beto O'Rourke's cute. Would you fuck him on a table? I don't think I would. Why? You wouldn't fuck him? No, because he stands up on things. Does he? Is that a thing he does? He was like, there was a video of him standing on like a, at like a diner and like giving a speech and then it became a thing. That's funny. Yeah. Anyways. Wait, what were you saying? Oh, I was basically just going to be like, do you think Greg Abbott's daughter like is rightfully ashamed and like hides it? I don't know. I just know that she was enjoying like, the Harry Styles Ted concert. Like Cruz's kids who are always like, don't vote for him. Oh, they are? Somebody like that, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it Ted Cruz's old roommate? No, no, no. It was definitely like one of the daughters. Oh, that said don't or vote for him? Or maybe it was like a, a niece or something who like came out and was like, no, I wouldn't vote for him. I recently saw something that was like a series of people related to conservatives who were like, like it was their daughters that were like, my, my, I don't talk to my parents anymore. They are like voting against like their own daughters. Like, I mean, it's like rights. Dick Cheney basically telling Liz Cheney to like, run on um against gay marriage even though his daughter is gay his other daughter is gay yeah that's fucking insane or like that one senator who like voted against marriage equality or voted against the equality act and then went to his gay son's wedding and gave a toast Fuck and then he got mad that people god. called him out for it oh my god yeah so the harrisburg senator's twitter account had to respond to what the harrisburg senator's twitter account had to respond to what did he like porn on his no, Harrisburg Senators is actually a baseball team, and oh. someone responded to them with a voter fraud, give us a receipt for the ballot, and they <laughs> quote tweeted it with, ma'am, we are a baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. I love trolls. I love internet trolls. What did The Onion do recently? They submitted a case to the Supreme Court. Yes, they filed an amicus brief. I didn't understand what that was. I didn't understand either. So, well, let me set up what happened. So in 2016, an Ohio man was arrested and acquitted for creating a fake Facebook page that looked very, very similar to a local police department site. And he would like post like shit on it that The Onion would love, you know. And then in April, his, his lawsuit against the police department for violating his freedom of speech was stopped by the sixth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Like three judges like basically made him drop it. it out, yeah. They said that the police were acting within the bounds of the law. And so then the onion filed this brief. And I think it's like if you're not directly involved in a case, but you want to like say something, say about, something it. about it or yeah. contribute your expertise, which the onion is all about parody and satire and everything. They said the onion cannot stand idly by in the face of a ruling that threatens to disembowel a form of rhetoric that has existed for millennia that is particularly potent in the realm of political debate and that purely incidentally forms the basis of the onion writer's paychecks. <laughs> so they like wrote this brief in yeah. like a very funny way, but way. it's a real brief because oh, they're that. standing up for, for rights. Yay. Yeah. That's all my trivia. That was a good round. That was a fun round. That was a good round. Cool. And we now are excited to introduce you to our interview with Adam Conover that we're super excited about. You might know him from The G Word. You might know him from Adam Ruins Everything. Or you might know him from... Factually, the podcast. Factually, the podcast. Yeah. We had a great interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. Yes. And please use the bus. Use the bus. <laughs> and the train. Yes. Okay. I'm what are we talking here. about? Hi, Adam. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Hi. 
Um, oh, we're talking about government, politics, things you're not interested in, you know, things you <laughs> we've shown no, <laughs> no personal uh-huh. interest that yeah. you wouldn't know I anything about spent years of my life on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our podcast is about comedy and politics and we just kind of wanted to know like more about how you approach what you do because you do it so well. So oh. how did you, oh, you, how did you get into comedy and then get into that political bent of comedy? Well, I got into comedy, uh, let's see, I, a friend of mine in college started a sketch group and I joined it and I didn't look back. Um, I always, uh, I, at the time, I sort of wanted to go to grad school for philosophy. Thank God I didn't go. Uh, but I sort of knew when I entered comedy that like, oh, I could sort of work with ideas the same way that I wanted to, you know, in academia. And so I always sort of had that bent, um, did comedy for many years, finally created the show Adam Ruins Everything, um, where I got to sort of wed all of the shit that I love to learn and all the articles and books I like to read and started to share that through comedy. And that started to be the thing that actually made people like sit up and take notice to my work, you know? Um, and honestly, it was, you know, the, the way I describe it is, you know, when I was in New York, um, you know, doing multiple shows a night and everything, after a while, you learn how to be funny. And the question becomes, how do you make people like remember you remember what you're saying, give give a shit about your comedy. And uh, that's uh, when I started like telling, you know, these stories about the world um, uh, that people started sitting up and taking notice more. So I started working those into my work at College Humor, created the show Adam Ruins Everything. Um, and on that show, you know, we talk about all types of different, you know, uh, myths in American society and, and how we could do things better. And, uh, once you talk about those for a while, Hey, this is fucked up. You're shaking everybody by the shoulders. Hey, this is fucked up. We got to change things. Um, then you start to realize, Oh, me making a TV show didn't actually change things all by itself. You know, <laughs> I raised awareness. I got the word out there, you know, but that's it. That's all I did. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you do next? And so to the extent that I've gotten involved in politics, it's been because like, well, once you start saying, okay, you know, the policy that we have is clearly wrong. There's another policy that's clearly better. Well, the next question to ask is how do we get that policy in place? And the answer to that is politics. Uh, so that's, that's how I sort of gotten, got involved in, you know, local politics here in Los Angeles and, and a little bit more broadly than that. But really I, I do a lot of work in LA. That's awesome. I love that this, that your start to comedy was, you were like, well, comedians are the modern day philosophers. I know. No, 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 no. Don't put that horrible, don't put that horrible cliche in my mouth. And, and the reason I laugh at that is because most comedians are like, they're like, yeah, we're the, we're the modern day. Like Chris Rock literally said, I saw some interview with him where he was like, we don't have philosophers anymore. What we have today are comedians. I was like, first of all, that's incorrect. There's many philosophers working today. (laughs) There's lots of them. There's like Quill Kukla is a wonderful philosopher. There's, uh, you know, people like, I don't know, David Chalmers, who are still putting out books in the news all the time. Like philosophers exist, but also most comedians have, they're the furthest thing from a philosopher because mostly what they are doing is repeating received common wisdom that they like, you know, have heard that is the same shit that your grandparents have been repeating to you for generations. You know, like like philosophy for most comedians is shit like, hey, maybe it's good to be bullied. Maybe bullying makes you stronger. It's like, oh yeah, really great piercing insight. Wow, what an, what an exciting idea I've never fucking heard before. Like th- that kind of shit. Um, so I, I, I really reject that, you know, when comedians get on their high horse, but um, you know, I, I to me, I just sort of felt, oh, I can like, you know, exercise my same interests, but using comedy. That's all. <laughs> Incredible defense. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How would you say that you balance comedy with the topics that you cover? Because so many of them are inherently not funny and can be, in fact, scary. Uh, right. I don't think it requires any balance at all. You know, I, I think like scary topics are ripe for comedy. Um, you know, what, what we <clears throat> what I do try to do on Adam Ruins Everything, we would do this, um, is we would do comedy about very, very serious topics. You know, we did, uh, the one that I think about where I really sort of figured this out was we did a a segment on, you know, democracy in America. This is in our very first season. And we did a scene of, you know, anti-voter laws in the South, you know, Jim Crow laws, um, and how, you know, the right to vote, how basically, you know, we lived in an apartheid state, 
um, through most of the uh, 20th century in the United States, um, in which, you know, black Americans were not uh, allowed to vote. Um, and it's an apartheid state specifically because it was a white minority, you know, that was controlling um, the, the democracy in like many cities in the American South. Um, and so we did a scene of uh, voter intimidation. And it's like, that's a really dark thing to depict, you know. Um, it's it, you're depicting racism and something horrible. Um, but the thing that I would always stress to our writers room is the joke can you can do a joke that respects the seriousness of what's happening, you know, um, and the joke can be, uh, you know, you can have the character who's the victim of the bad thing going like, what the fuck? This is ridiculous, you know. Uh, and uh, this is this is horrible. Well, I'm just uh, I think the, the joke in question was, um, you know, they had vagrancy laws that let them like lock up people for, you know, quote, quote vagrancy, which was just a pretext. Um, and we have a cop saying to, a, you know, a black American, like, uh, look at you waiting around in this voting line like a vagrant and like takes them off to jail. It's, a, it's like a very it's like barely a joke. Right. But it, it's like just a slightly heightened version of what happened in reality. And the character who's the victim of this is is like, what the fuck? No, I'm just standing here. You know, it's just a little scene. Um, and, you know, it's a little lighter than it would be in real life, but it also sort of respects like how, uh, you know, the, the, the subject matter of the joke, the content of the joke is about how capricious and stupid and cruel this was. Like that is what we are dramatizing using comedy. Um, and if you're doing that, then you are m making a good joke about a horrible thing. You know, if you're doing a joke that, that makes it, you know, takes it lightly or, uh, doesn't, you know, undermines the seriousness of it, then that's a joke that is going to, you know, clang for people and not sound right. But uh, it, it's quite possible to do. There's also something that I take from uh, my my good friend, uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg, who created Bojack Horseman, used to say about his show, because that show is like very dark um, and very yeah. serious emotionally and also has very silly comedy. And he had this rule where the the darker and more serious you go with the emotions, the sillier you can get with the comedy. You can just do the goofiest possible shit, you know? So if you think about, like, how dark a BoJack Horseman storyline would get, you know, BoJack's an alcoholic, and he doesn't, you know, he can't, like, feel love, and he pushes away everyone in his life. And then, like, a Todd Chavez storyline where Todd is, like, starting an amusement park full of, I don't know, milkshakes or whatever, the silly stuff they would do on that show. And those those could be right next to each other because it was like, a, you know, a rubber band. The further you go in one direction, the further you can go in the other. Um, and so we would do that sometimes too, where it's like, okay, we can get really silly when we're talking about something serious. That's awesome. I think yeah. that's great. Do you think that there's like a reason it's important to cover this stuff through a comedic lens? Do you think it makes it more digestible for people? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, comedy makes things go down easier, you know? Um, I, I'm going to do another cliche, Pallavi, okay? Um, this is a, uh, th this is, I'm going to quote George Carlin. <laughs> but, uh, you know. He's always, I, no matter whose side you're on, he's on your side, George Carlin, famously. <laughs> That's only because he's dead now and he can't, yeah. <laughs> can't say otherwise. Yeah. But I am right. He yes. he actually is on my side. Though. Uh, <laughs> I accept that. That's a that's a good joke. Except that I'm he's actually on my side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, and the other people just think that he's on theirs. But um, he has a line in his in his uh, memoir or his his post uh, death book that he wrote uh, that he says uh, when people are laughing, they're most fully themselves and their defenses are down, and you can plant a little seed at that moment and then later that seed might grow that's the metaphor that he uses and uh that's something that i read when i was probably like 23 uh, uh like the year after he died and that always stuck with me um and i think that's very true uh that uh, you know you can reach people you wouldn't reach otherwise and plus comedy just makes the information fun like it's like what's you know comedy is like the fucking michael bay explosions of talking <laughs> you know <laughs> you know <laughs> you you can say the thing or you can say the thing with jokes. Well, it's better with jokes. So why not do it with jokes? Absolutely. It keeps people engaged. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Michael Bay comparison. <laughs> I mean, it was great. Spot on. Spot on. So your show, The G Word, obviously covers government. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the most misunderstood part about the government? Like on whole, as, a lay as laymen's are concerned or as citizens are concerned? Yeah, well, I'll just drive uh, to what was our conclusion in our final episode. Uh, the main misconception is that uh, most people don't think about their local governments at all whatsoever. They never think about them. Turnouts are incredibly low. 
And for the issues that you care about, like your local government is the most important issue. Uh, and specifically, there's this there's this fiction that is promulgated by the two national parties and by the national media, which is that the only divisions that we have politically are national in nature and that we're divided by states. Um, literally, I just got a DM from somebody uh, on my Patreon, which you can subscribe to at patreon.com slash Adam Conover. Five, for $5 a month, you can get uh, ad-free podcast episodes and join our community Discord. <laughs> so that's a plug. Um, uh, but but this person DM me and said, hey, Adam, I'm really worried about the political situation in America. Um, I think the most helpful thing I could do would be to talk to rural voters um, elsewhere in the country. Do you have any suggestions about how I can talk to rural voters? I live in L.A. How can I talk to rural voters? And I replied, why would you want to do that? Like you want to you're asking me for advice on how you can call up rural voters in the phone book. And like have a conversation with you about politics first of all why would you think that would work because you have no social bond with those people right you want to talk to a random person like maybe you want to set up some sort of like internet you know like blind date where you like talk about politics or whatever like why would if somebody did that to you would you give a shit about what they said no you wouldn't right um who would a conversation with you actually help with someone who you're in community with someone in your own someone who you care about Someone who cares about you, someone at your workplace, someone, you know, at, at a PTA meeting, uh, you know, another parent who has a child at your school, someone at your church, someone at your grocery store, someone who you might see at the coffee shop, like people who you have something in common with. Uh, that's the first thing. Number two, why do you think that no one in your community is worth talking to? Why do you think, oh, all of those people agree with me? I only need to talk to people who live in Kansas. Like, that's ludicrous. Like just walking around the place that you live, you know that there's people who don't agree with you about, you know, your values or about what you think should be done about them. And those are people who are open to a conversation. And those are minds that can be changed, frankly, a more easily than people in Kansas because they're you know closer to you in your community. But B, it's very important to do so. Like, you know, the biggest issues. What are the issues that affect you the most? You know, you guys live in LA, right? What are they? Price of housing, homelessness, right? Climate change. These are local issues. Climate change is a local issue. The fact that, uh, you know, we have a transportation system and a port system here in Los Angeles that belch so much smoke into the air that, you know, there's no shade coverings for our bus stops. So people have to bake outside in the heat. The fact that, you know, there aren't enough cooling centers for people, uh, you know, all these, these are all things that are local, right? And we know that climate change has to be tackled locally in addition to, you know, top down from the national government. So, um, and my experience is when you talk to people locally about issues, they, you can turn them around so quickly because there is so little media about local issues that people's minds are full of bullshit, you know? Um, like I was talking to somebody who lived on my street and we were talking about a building like a single family home that was being turned into, you know, a complex of multi, you know, multi unit housing, you know, and this guy was like, this is gentrification. This is a this is a suburb. This is a suburban area. We can't upzone here if we want to solve the housing crisis and like build taller. We need to pre preserve the little craftsman that this used to be. And I was like, dude. The little craftsman that was there would have housed three or four people at a price of three million dollars. These are homes that are they knocked it down. They're, they're building four homes they're, that are going to sell for a million each. Right. Still expensive. But like, you know, suddenly 12 to 16 people are going to be housed where four were. And hey, hold on a second. Why are you saying this is a suburban area? You live in an apartment building on this street. We live in a in a city center. Why are you repeating sort of like reactionary you know anti-housing talking points that you like maybe you learned them on next door and the guy was like oh yeah good point <laughs> right <laughs> like because we had a friendly conversation between neighbors and no one had ever pushed back on on this guy right and on on the bullshit that he was hearing from you know the sort of like right-wing elements um and so you know these are these are important to do uh this this is like this is local politics is the sphere where you 
can have the most impact and where your impact is the most needed. And I haven't, I haven't even gotten to, you know, your vote goes a lot further. If you show up to a meeting, you can be one of 10 people who speaks on a microphone and, you know, yells at the city council people who aren't listening to you. Um, you know, it is, you can participate in it. It's fucking democracy. All you need to do is show up and you can have a massive effect. Yay, that's what we're all about. Yeah, <laughs> And I mean, you really hit the nail on the head with this, but issues that are happening locally really are reflective of a national stage and like the things that are happening nationwide. But the things in Los Angeles that are happening are so big, like, I mean, as it concerns the sheriff's race, as it concerns, concerns yeah. the police budget, as it concerns housing, you know, all of those things really are big and they can feel overwhelming even when you're when you're local so like what do you think the way into that is is it just talking to your neighbors what is the way into like local yeah, politics it, it, in general keeping people activated and engaged even when the mountain is so high to climb like paula v and i have yeah. been involved for a long time and sometimes even we are overwhelmed with the amount of work that there is before us right so the the, the main thing to do is uh here's another here's a co another common myth our politics is so centered around individuals uh, in, in the national media, right? Like, look at, for instance, John Fetterman, who's running, you know, a very fun campaign in Pennsylvania, right? But what is it based on? It's based on, hi, I'm John Fetterman. I'm a great big guy, right? Dr. Oz is a weirdo. I don't like him. I want you to donate to me, right? You as an individual. That's sort of the way that the internet has structured politics. Um, and that really like impoverishes people's involvement, you know, to be told that your main contribution is there's a guy you like, and I, I don't have a problem with Fetterman, right? But it, the, uh, to be told that there's a guy or a gal that you like, that you personally identify with, and you personally are going to donate the money. That's not politics. Politics is run by groups, organizations, groups of people that organize and that persist over long periods of time in order to get their work done. So, you know, if you look at just for example, the right wing knows this very well. They're not like sitting around going, yeah, they send fundraisers obviously to individuals, but like their successes are based on mass membership organizations, the NRA, you know, the Federalist Society, things like that. So if you want to get involved, join an organization. Uh, that can be anything from, you know, uh, a union that you're a member of to a chapter of the DSA to, um, you know, the League of Women Voters, right? Wonderful organization um, to uh, your local chapter of the Democratic Party. Like, uh, this is not one that I've done myself, but I know people who do this. If you want to change politics in your area, find the smallest unit of the Democratic Party that is in your, assuming that you're Democrat. I don't want to assume what people are, who, what they're listening to, but let's just do our, right? Um, find the lo the lowest uh, rung of the party structure and start showing up to meetings. You can literally, like, uh, you know, you live in East Hollywood, join the East Hollywood Democratic Club. Local politicians are going to start coming through to talk to you and, like, get your endorsement. Other, uh, you know, you'll meet other people who are equally engaged and they'll say, hey, we're doing something on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Do you want to come? Uh, et cetera. Uh, the, you know, uh, I got involved in a uh, – one of my, my inciting points was I got involved in a um, – a local neighborhood homeless coalition where we go out on weekends and, you know, bring water and food to folks experiencing homelessness and, you know, try to connect them with caseworkers. We're just volunteers, right? I do this like one or two Saturdays a month. Um, guess what? A lot of people in that organization are pretty politically engaged. And they said, hey, Adam, guess what? On our local neighborhood council, there's like a bunch of like right wing homeowners who are like screaming about a homeless encampment in the neighborhood. Do you want to come to the committee meeting? And I was like, you know what? I visit the encampment all the time. Let me go to the committee meeting. And I started going to the meeting. Now I'm on the committee because they said, Adam, will you please join? And now I'm like taking votes on things. And I'm like talking to guess who comes to the neighborhood council meeting? The city council person, you know, like. It just happens if you join the organization and you meet other people alone in your apartment on Twitter. You cannot do shit. OK, but you go to a meeting where, where 10 other people are saying, hey, we're taking a vote on something today. And by the way, we've got another meeting next month like you can get a lot done. Uh, and that's the main way to get involved. Hell yeah. I love that. So true. So this question is be as honest or as not honest as you want. But what gives you pause about the future? What makes you most worried looking forward? 
<laughs> I feel pretty good right now, to be honest. Um, you know, my uh, I, I I did have a lot of dread, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, you know, when the last uh, Trump appointee was put on the Supreme Court, uh, you know, I was like, this is going to be bad. I, I what, what I pictured was that uh, we're in a moving car and the car has suddenly swerved really hard and has started to roll over, but in slow motion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're in the car and we know bad shit is going to happen in the future. And we don't even know what yet because we don't even know what cases are coming. You know, like when that happened, I was like, bad shit's going to happen seven to 10 years from now that I don't <laughs> even anticipate because of what happened today. There are already bad outcomes baked in unfortunately. And I was feeling pretty de depressed about that. I went to go talk to my therapist. My therapist is an older gay woman. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, I feel so bad about everything. And I think, by the way, she gave this speech to like a lot of her clients in that couple <laughs> of weeks. But um, I was workshopping with you. <laughs> yeah, I get the sense of what other people are worried about when I hear her go into a little speech, you know. But what she said was, and this was great. Here's what she said. She said, welcome to the fight. Because guess what, you know, she said, she told me, you know, my mom worked at an abortion clinic that was bombed in the 70s, you know, uh, she's a gay woman in her 60s, right? She said she lived through AIDS crisis and everything else, you know, she said, guess what, welcome to the fight. It's never not been a fight. It has been one the entire time. We've been fighting for our lives for my entire life. So welcome to the fight. Thanks for coming. You're, we'll need you tomorrow, so please show up, right? And that is a wonderful message because, like, you know, unfortunately, there's been this illusion that was really promulgated in the Obama years. And Obama would say this specifically, the long arc of history bends towards justice, right? Eh, everything's going to be fine in the end, you know? Oh, yeah, George Bush, I thought George Bush sucked. Oh, Obama got elected, phew. Now everything's going to be fine forever. You remember that feeling? That was like, what we told each other, right? Yeah, he danced to At Last with Michelle on, on six different stages <laughs> in one night. Everything's been solved, right? Um, and that was bullshit. Of course it was bullshit. It's laughable in retrospect. I can't believe I swallowed that, you know? I was in my 20s. I wanted to just fuck around and, and be happy, you know? Um, but it's never not been a fight. There's never not been great forces arrayed against us. Um, and uh, guess what? Your duty as a human on the earth is you here's here's what happens to all here's here's the story of humanity right you're born you wake up everybody tells you hey guess what the world is perfect the world is was made the way it is on purpose by smart people by the founding fathers by bill clinton by whoever else everything was set up properly the world is a fair and just place right then you get to be about like in your mid-20s or maybe your teens and you say what the fuck this is this shit is fucked up what things shouldn't be this way right and then you get you're mad about it for a little while and then eventually you're like i might as well grab a shovel <laughs> you know and, and and try to help out a little bit this shit is fucked up well let me let me pitch in and try to fix it a little bit um and guess what happens when you're midway through that process you die <laughs> your job unfinished and you have improved things very slightly. Um, and that is the only reason, in fact, why anything exists. Because people woke up and they said, Thomas fucking Jefferson was born. And he was like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, we're under British rule? I don't think that this makes a lot of sense. Let me try to, like, organize some people, you know? And then also he also owned a lot of slaves and did a bunch of other horrible things, right? But he, like, did, and then he fucking died. And he was just some moron who did that the same as you can do today. Um, and that th taking that approach gives me a lot of uh, positive energy because I'm like, great, guess what? I wake up, there is always some work for me to do that is valuable and needs to be done. Um, I, I always have that opportunity uh, and that feels great. It's like the, the starfish thing, the man on the beach throwing one starfish back into the ocean at a time. Do you know I this? Haven't, I haven't it's heard like, that one. What's a star? No, I, 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 I finish the story. Finish the parable. Well, it's, it's, How does it go? The parable is that there's a there's a man and he's and all these starfish are washed up on the shore and somebody approaches them and he's like, you're just throwing one starfish back at a time. There's so many. How are you even making a difference? And he's like, he throws one back and he's like, it made a difference to that one. 
you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, if I were that guy, you know, I would maybe say, hey, hey, guys, let's have a meeting. What's up with all these starfish? Could we like commission a study like on what's going on with the starfish? Like, is what, there maybe what oil company something is happened responsible? The, I know, yeah, has something happened in the sound in the Long Island Sound that's causing all these starfish to wash up? Like, is there is there a spill of some kind? I like, like what can we do? I like that this parable takes place in Long Island, <laughs> <laughs> where there's definitely no starfish. Famously, yeah. a lot of starfish. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, um, but but it, it, you know, well, here's the problem with that parable is that like I, I do think there's some there's some bullshit that you hear about like if you can just make one person's day brighter, you've done a good deal. Fuck that, you know. Like, <laughs> like yes, it's it's nice to smile at people. Who gives a shit, right? There's a lot more that you can do. And if all you're doing is like I tipped the bar barista at Starbucks, like. You know, you're not you're not really making a contribution. You can make a contribution if you join an organization that is, you know, and put in your bit a couple hours a week into dismantling the systems that are like killing people, right, and oppressing people. And you can do that too. And it doesn't take a lot. You know, it, it takes some time. It takes some effort, but it doesn't take doesn't take as much as you think. Like, you know, I spend like a couple extra hours a month in Zoom meetings or in real life meetings now because I'm involved in my union, because I, you know, um, am involved in the political life of Los Angeles, you know. Um, I got friends who, who I text when I read an, an LA Times article and I say, what the fuck's going on with this? And they say, yeah, there's a meeting about that on Thursday. You want to come? And I say, I can't make this one, maybe the next one. Or I go, right? Like that's that's how involved I am. It's just fun. It's just part of my life. And you can do that too. And uh you know, uh, so I would say like, you know, there's, there's, uh, w w what if you, how about this for the starfish? Um, start an organization of people who go there every morning and throw lots of starfish back, right? That's how you do it. Like, cause why give up on when the person says you'll never throw all the starfish back, say, fuck you. Yeah, we can do that. It just takes a little <laughs> bit more effort. Like, but it's not, but it's the, the, the problem is the one guy working alone will never do it, but get a whole group, man. Sorry to sorry to rip <laughs> into your beautiful I know. parable. I was like, please tune in to Adam's new show, Adam Ruins Parables. Parables yeah. <laughs> okay. What else you got? Uh, I hate that fuck Aesop. Fuck him. <laughs> so I didn't realize. Okay, I for years have on my Instagram stories. It's been, uh, you know, documented publicly. I am a bus bitch. Okay. You're and a I bus boy. I'm a bus boy. Yeah. Bus bitch, bus bitch sounds so much better because it like bus boy is kind of like, you know, infantilizing, but there isn't <laughs> like a good a beat. Man. You can be a bus I could be a bus. I guess I could be a, I could be a bus bro. A bus oh, bro. yeah. That's cool. Get the USC kids involved. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah, so bus, bus talk, let's do it. Yeah. So I've been taking, I haven't had a car since I lived in Pittsburgh. I lived in San Francisco for a couple of years without a car. I moved down here six years ago. No car. Uh, famously, Ellery loves telling me to text her when I get home. I never do. So it's been, it's been an interesting several rides, but I think LA public transit, I think the main issue that I have with it is that it doesn't feel safe because people aren't using it, which I think you would agree with, right? That if more people used it, Correct. it would be, it would improve. Yes. Um, what are, so yeah. So what are yes. your issues with it and what are you, how do you think the road to getting a better public transit? Cause every time I go to New York, I'm like, those, they don't have a curfew there. I'm a woman outside at night. That's my curfew. Like this is, I want to be able to, to move around the city. I want to be able to get places. I don't want to have to go inside yeah. when it's dusk in New York. I'm like, I can do that. Cause people are out and there's like community, even though it's, yeah. you know, there's people. So what are your, yeah, no, I mean, you, you've nailed it. The more people like, here's the interesting thing about public transportation compared to car transportation with car transportation. The more people use the system, the worse the system gets, right? The only time it's good is at 1 a.m. You drive around at 1 a.m. You're like, oh, my God, I got there so quick. The roads were empty when you need to go when everybody's going. It's bad. Right. Yeah. When if you've ridden a proper transport, public transportation system, such as in New York City, right, 
the time when it's busiest is the time that it's best because they run the most trains. Whereas yeah. at night, they run them every 20 minutes, which makes sense, right? Um, and also, yes, the more people are on, sometimes it can get crowded, but it's safer because you have people look out for each other. I mean, if you were, for instance, to pass out on the New York City subway, you'd rather pass out at 9 a.m. on a Monday on the train than at 2 a.m. on a Saturday, right? Because yeah. if you pass out on the New York City subway, a 20 people are going to rush to your aid like it's yeah. uh, you know it's very much a, a we're all in it together kind of psychology right um so yes the the biggest problem with with la public transit is not enough people take it one of the reasons people don't take it is because there is a belief in los angeles that la has bad public transportation i'm putting quotation marks around it um los angeles actually has an excellent public transportation system compared to most cities in the united states right go to fucking go to a city in texas uh, you will not find the number of buses that we have. There are like, look at a bus map of LA. Buses go everywhere here. Um, they're all over the place. And we have a subway system. Um, and there's a, by the way, there's also an LA City Department of Transportation bus system called the Dash Bus. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of options. Um, and so, like, it, it's a myth that LA doesn't have good public transportation. What LA does have uniquely compared to New York City and, you know, say Boston or a lot of other cities. LA has a class segregated public transportation system. People above a certain level of income never consider taking the bus in Los Angeles. So uh, for instance, I lived, when I moved here, I moved here from New York City under duress. I was forced to move by my job. I didn't want to move. And I had never driven before. Um, like I, I had a driver's license, but I had never driven regularly. Um, and I was living in Echo Park because we had to move quickly, moved in with a relative in Echo Park. I was I was working in West Hollywood. Um, and so my I got to L.A. My commute was a 45 minute drive down Sunset from Echo Park to West Hollywood. Was People were like, oh, my God, that's a horrible commute. I was like, I know it's awful. I was driving by myself in a silver Prius I had just bought for like nineteen thousand dollars. It was all my savings. I bought it in cash because um, that was about a used car cash because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and, uh, I drove 45 minutes white knuckling it because I was really uncomfortable driving. And, and this is, you know, this traffic is like, you know, it, it's a lot like New York city subway rush hour traffic, except with cars. People are trying to like weave around <laughs> yeah. each other. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, people are honking. If you are like trying to make a left turn for too long, stuff like that. Um, and it, it made my life worse. I hated it. You know, you know what? Nobody ever said to me one time in the three years I make this, I made this commute. No one said, Adam, did you know that there is a bus that goes directly from your house directly to your office? I didn't learn about this until I finally started taking the bus three years later. Um, the number two bus goes yeah. all the way up and down sunset. It is like the best bus line in LA, at least if, you know, for where I live and where it sounds like you live too. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's the fucking L train of Los Angeles. It goes directly from, it goes from Echo Park to Silver Lake, to Los Feliz, to Hollywood, to West Hollywood. It almost goes all the way to Beverly Hills. I forget where it ends, but like you want to go east to west in central LA, boom, it'll take you there. No one even mentioned it to me because no one I knew in LA had even considered taking the bus before in their entire lives. Uh, and that's stupid because it costs a dollar seventy-five. It would is very convenient. And so what so the transformation for me was when I realized driving was actually making me miserable. Um, I was this, this was years later when I was working on Adam Ruins, everything it was in a different office. But I, I was like, driving is making me miserable. Let me just look up a bus route. And I realized that in this case, there was also a bus that went right from my my house to my office. Um, it was the dash bus. It cost 35 cents. Yeah, like it was incredible. It went from Echo Park to downtown. And so I was just like, I'm going to start living that way now. Um, so the, the, the number one thing is people don't believe, they don't know about the bus. And there is no conversation in L.A. about how much better your life can be. Because guess what? I take the bus to a show. When I'm at the show, you know, I say to the other, com the other comedians, like, I'm going to another show. I'm like, hey, could I hitch a ride? Like, I wouldn't be able to yeah. do that if I was in a car, right? Or you're in the office. Your friends say, hey, it's Friday. We're going to go get drinks after the show. I don't drink anymore. But when I did, you know, what would I have to do? I'm going to drive home, change clothes, and get in an Uber so that I can take an Uber to the place where I can drink, right? But yeah. if you haven't driven to the place, you don't have to babysit your car home. <laughs> like, you don't have to drive home just so that your car is at home now.
You don't have to <laughs> pay for parking. You don't have to worry yeah. about like street cleaning, car insurance. You don't have to. Yeah. yeah. It's so, and yeah. it's also, it's also an opportunity for community. Like when I'm on the bus, I like, I don't know. There's, there's so many, like you said, there's class segregation. And when you're on the bus, you just get to meet people of all different classes. And Correct. you also get to see how society treats its, its elderly and its immigrants and all of the yeah. people who need to use the bus. Yeah. I don't know. So it's, but, a, it's a different way to connect with people. The bus is also, look, uh, you know, uh, I under, like the fact that, you know, women often don't feel safe on public transportation is a problem for the system, right? For public transportation generally. It doesn't mean that public transportation can't be a good option because there are ways yeah. we can mitigate that, right? And, there are, and, and uh, those are things I think the public transportation systems need to do. And we can talk about how to do that. But I want, before I get into that, I want to point out that taking the bus is the most accessible form of transportation for a lot of people, for people in wheelchairs, and yeah. for uh, for the very elderly who cannot still drive, the bus is actually the most accessible because they don't need to go down into a tunnel um, and it's right there on the street and all buses are wheelchair accessible. And so healthy public transportation is like an absolutely essential public good in order that those folks can still move around their fucking communities, you know? Now, in terms of your original question, like making it safer. Yes, absolutely getting more people on the system is really, really important. And the most important way to get more people on the system is to improve the system and run the buses more often, right? And run trains more often. So uh, my example of this that I always use is, um, you know, Sunset Boulevard here in LA, right? Um, uh, think about the Silver Lake area. So if you're not, if you've never been to LA, this is sort of like the, the hipster zone of Los Angeles. And Sunset is the main drag. And there's all these boutiques and restaurants along Sunset, right? That you might want to go to on a Sunday. Except the problem is that because of how LA is designed, they're like three miles apart from each other. So on the weekends, this area actually has terrible traffic. The traffic is worse on a Saturday on sunset than it is, or on a Sunday afternoon, than it is on the weekends because people are going from brunch, then they're going to the little boutique, et cetera, et cetera, right? And there's very little parking. Now, what there is on the side of this boulevard is street parking, like meter parking, um, which is, let's be honest, this is the worst form of parking ever devised because how in a quarter mile of street, right, how many people can park on in those spaces uh, in a quarter mile you're talking what 15 spots maybe 10 spots um uh, you know this is very few people who are using those businesses um this is very low density public space so what if instead we abolish that street parking build a parking structure somewhere if you want to make up for it right but get rid of that parking turn it into a bus only lane and then run a bus every three to five minutes like just fucking run the buses down the street. It would transform that neighborhood because if people knew that a bus was going to come and it was going to be a, in a bus only lane, so it wasn't going to get stuck in traffic, right? They would start treating that shit like the tram at the Grove. You know what I mean? They would say, hey, let's just wait for the bus. There's going to be another one in three minutes. You know, when you go to a truly yeah. great public transportation system in Europe, in say France, where I was in Paris earlier this year, their subway trains arrive every three minutes, like literally. You're, you're waiting, you're, you don't ever run to catch a train because there's gonna be another one in three fucking minutes. Um, and so if you were able to create that level of reliability in the system, then people would start relying on it more. Um, unfortunately, what they do in LA is when during the pandemic, ridership fell some, and so they cut service. They said they eliminated bus lines and they said, we're gonna run the buses less often. Well, that's a deadly spiral, right? That's a vicious cycle. Um, it, if you instead ran the buses more often, you would have a virtuous cycle. Um, the other thing that I think should be done in public transportation is uh, they should not add cops, but what they should add are just like metro employees in vests who can help you out. They're just like people walking around. Every platform should have like one or two people who are just there answering people's questions every subway platform you know um and you know assisting people right buses should have that person the bus driver on a bus is often alone yeah. um but you know there could be a second attendant uh who is you know lowering the wheelchair thingy helping people get on and off you know and intervening if someone is being rowdy and intervention doesn't need to be you know hey i'm pointing a gun at you it can be like hey sir let's let's stop talking to this lady sir sir uh, say, sir, 
I'm going to need you to get off the bus. You know, like there, that's like that are, would make such a difference. And all it would take is investment. Sorry, go for it. No, mm -hmm. sorry. There have been so many times where all it would take for a women to feel safe on the bus was for one man to say something or even another woman. Like I've been on the on public transit where people just don't say anything and it can't be just on the bus driver who is driving the bus. Yeah. Who has another job to has do something. So responsibility. I, yeah, so I think that would make like a huge difference. I think that would yep. make people feel a lot more safe. Um, yeah, and it would it would absolutely change things, but in LA we don't invest in the public transportation system like that. We let it enter the vicious spiral. And a lot of that is because, again, the public transportation is considered to be just for poor people. And yeah. poor people, well, you can treat them badly, right? Yeah. You can make them wait at the bus stop with no shit. Only like a third of our bus stops here in LA have shade in you know a city that is perpetually sunny, that you know uh, only has three months of cloudy weather a year. Um, and you know, it, the people who take the bus are, you know, they're, they're the people who clean your house. You know, they're the people who work at the grocery store. They're the nurses at your hospital. Um, but the people who run the city say, ah, we can treat those people like shit. You know where they invest the money? In trains. And I love trains. I'm happy that, you know, the Metro board is like, you know, seen fit to like dig some new train tunnels throughout Los Angeles. That's a good step. But you know why they spend, why are they expanding train service at the same time they're cutting bus service? Because rich people love trains, right? Yeah. The, 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 the people like me, the affluent white people who own homes, right? Say, oh, yay, trains, Olympics, we love it, you know? That's it, visible construction. Also, you know, the mayor can slap his name on the side of a train. Uh, but bus service, which would be cheaper to improve, right? All it takes is more fucking, you don't need to design new infrastructure, you know, or shade coverings at, sub, at bus stops. How expensive could that possibly be? Five grand a bus stop maybe, right? To install a nice piece of shade, probably less than that. Um, they don't invest in that because that's that's for the poor people um, and they don't want to as a result. And and so uh, but but it, this would be so easy to turn around. You know, yeah. if 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 I could imagine a new city government sweeping in and saying, hey, guess what? You know what? You know what we're going to do? Improve public transportation. We are going to make it fun and clean and safe and frequent and reliable and people will respond to that because people fucking love public transportation. They love it like they love the public library, you know, yeah, um, if when 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 it's presented to them well. And, and that is my that is my vision. And that's why I uh, hope for your vote. <laughs> okay, Adam, I do think there is something as it pertains to specifically shade at bus stops. There is an undercurrent there of anti-homelessness yeah. sentiment and anti -homelessness oh, of architecture. And so the sort of hesitancy to build that up is because they don't want to monitor it or god forbid sweep it so it's really interesting how many of these issues are overlapping yeah oh it's a really good point and that's true you're reminding me that like one of the things that made me start doing homelessness volunteering was i used to walk by a woman who you know lived at a bus stop that was a shade covered bus stop and she was there every day as i would walk by and one of the reasons i started doing that work was i was like why don't i feel like i can say hello to this woman you know why do i feel like there's a wall up and i wanted to take the wall down and and just like be able to talk to to folks you know uh who are homeless in my community and i'm now able to do that you know what i mean um and it and it's really wonderful it's something i recommend doing if you're uh if you're able to um uh, but, uh, you know, it's true that that happens, right? Um, and that, you know, the, the horrible term for this is an attractive nuisance that like, you know, you build a structure, someone's going to live under it. But that doesn't mean people who are, first of all, the, the, the uh, homeless person deserves shelter, <laughs> right? And the uh, person who's riding the bus, waiting for yeah, the bus deserves some shade. Like, and we should course. be yeah. and providing as, both those things. As it also pertains yeah. to hostile architecture where, you know, they take away benches, they take away shades, that hurts everybody. So when we punish the poor, we hurt everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because you need the poor to have a functioning society. Absolutely. Because they clean your fucking house, Brenda, you know? <laughs> like, what do you, think, how do you think they got to you? Sorry, go for it. I also think one thing that I found in my neighborhood that has uh, really helped, and I was working um, with, you know, with Ellery and with other folks with unhoused people before this, um, but one thing that I have found that does help 
people who, who could be in your neighborhood is walking my dog really helps because in unhoused encampments, like they don't often get to keep pets or sometimes house mm-hmm. people like release their pets. And it's like almost like therapeutic for them to get to play with a dog. You know what I mean? So That's like nice. yeah. walk your dog around and meet people. It's dogs are great icebreakers and they're, they bring joy to, <laughs> to all sorts of people. Uh, the other thing yeah. that I wanted to, to recommend uh, is the transit app, which I think you use, right? You yes. use the transit app. Love the transit yes. app. If you want to take the bus, it's great at predicting when the buses are coming. I love the, it yeah, tracks where the so buses are. Yeah. Yeah. It is now the official app of the LA Metro, but it works in other cities as well. It tracks where the buses are. It either uses the bus's own tracking system, or if you are riding the bus, you have the transit app open, it will track where the bus is for other riders in real time using your phone's GPS. And so when you use the app, you actually make the system more reliable for everybody. Um, and so what I do is, yeah, when I want to take the bus, I, I before I leave my house, I try to remember to do this. I don't always do it. But before I leave my house, I look at the app and I say, how far away is the bus? And then I don't need to leave my house until the bus is on is like, you know, five minutes away because I know how long it takes to get somewhere. Um, Or if it's if it's late at night, say it's, you know, 1030 p.m. I'm leaving a stand up show. I'll look at my phone and say, well, is there a close bus? Because then I'll take the bus. And if not, I'll take an Uber. Right. Yeah. Um, and and, and so. that, that way you're exploring the options. You're not assuming that the Uber is the only way to go. And the the more people that use it, the better it becomes. What are we learning exactly. here, people? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, I think I just have we just have one last question, right, Ellery? Is that Please. cool? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, what is one topic that you haven't covered in your shows that you always wanted to? Oh God. Um, I'm honestly not sure that I have one. <laughs> <laughs> I just did, um, you know, when a topic occurs to me at this point, I tend to do it on, uh, you know, if I haven't been able to do it on television, I talk about it on TikTok. Um, I got really mad about um, that story about the Patagonia billionaire who donated the company to (laughs) solve climate change. And so I made a YouTube video about it that I'm working on right now. It's as we're speaking now, I I just I have to go actually go watch a cut of it, but um, it'll come out in the next uh, week or two. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, at this point when I have these topics, I tend to just sort of try to make it however I can. Um, and, uh, you know, if I'm on TV, then I do it on TV. And if I'm not on TV as I'm, as I'm not right now, um, I'm, uh, looking for more, uh, you know, I, I look for how to do it direct to the people, you know, power of social media. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, where can we find you? We have your Patreon. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, my patron. Yeah, that was such a stupid plug. Like people are no, do it. I got it. People will. People genuinely will. will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, five dollars for sure. So I do a podcast called Factually, where um, I interview a different uh, expert every single week about all the amazing shit they know that I don't and that you might not know. Um, and you know, I talk to scholars, journalists, activists. Um, Uh, We go really deep. It's a really good time. Um, We've uh, started to get elected officials coming on the show because they want to uh, talk to our audience. We've gotten some of the some of the best, you know, nonfiction authors in America on at this point. It's it's going really great. So look for that podcast. It's called Factually and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you (laughs) guys for having me. It's such a fun time talking. Yeah, of course. our interview with Adam Conover. We hope you enjoyed it. Please follow him and check out his podcast, YouTube, Patreon. $5 a month. You cannot beat that. Yes. Our mutual aid babe of the week is another Puerto Rico based mutual aid program. I'm sure all of you guys are well aware. They are still experiencing major blackouts and major flooding and it is now completely out of our news cycle. So the mutual aid babe of the week is Brigidad Solidaridad del Oeste, and you can find them at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash B-R-I-G-A-D-A S-O-L-I-D-A-R-I-A D-E-L-O-E-S-T-E. Play that back slowly if you need it again, because I'm not going to we'll, spell it again. We'll also have it in the notes. We will also have it in the notes. But they're a great organization. They are taking physical donations as well as monetary donations, and they're on the ground, and they're doing good work. 
we now have to say something difficult. <laughs> Which I don't want to say. I know, I know. Ew. I know. Ew. Okay, this is hard for us. This is really hard for we us. We love each other so very so much. much. Um, but it's not goodbye. It's not goodbye. So the podcast is continuing, but I will be taking the lead on yeah. it because Ellery has a fucking job. I have a job, but it's not a, I mean, it is a real job. It is a real job. It is a real job, um, but it's not like an exciting writing job that I'm leaving for. I'm just full-time babysitting. <laughs> and you got to pay bills. And you I got to pay bills. And they are paying me really well. That's awesome. So that's awesome. But I'll be back in a guest capacity and I'll always be supporting from afar. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. have we'll have Ellery back. In order to support the show, I've started a Patreon, patreon.com slash city council show. And if you don't sign up and donate, I will show up to your house with a gun because I'm not a I was like, where was the death threat on this episode? It can't be your last official episode without a death threat. Well, I will come to your house with a gun because this is a great show. And I can also say that now because I can't get kicked off the podcast. I would never have kicked you off the podcast. (laughs) And also, you might be on next week's show. I'm trying to figure it out. We're trying to, I'm trying to figure out what's yeah, yeah, happening yeah. we can figure it out um, I mean, we're learning and growing together yes tldr i don't have a lot of time anymore so palavi will be steering the ship yes yeah and we're still gonna have great interviews i'm gonna try and see if i can get some guest co-hosts ellery's back whenever she wants to be back when we did the interview this morning we were like at the end we were both like sad i legit almost cried oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so fun it was such a good interview and i was like oh I, it, it hurt. But, I mean, it might not be forever. It might not be forever. It's just... it's. This is very amicable. It's very amicable. It's also, yeah. I mean, it's totally amicable. It just really is, like, a timing thing. Life just sucks, and it's hard. And that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we are we If are somebody wants to gift us and be a patron of arts to our lives, maybe that would be helpful. Yeah. yeah. If you guys can pay us to do this podcast, Ellery will... <laughs> No, I don't know what I want to say. No, but uh, we're going to – I'm going to try and get the listenership up. I'm going to try and get Patreon going So, because it is going to be more work for me. So anybody that can help pay for my labor now that I'm going to be doing a lot more on the podcast, uh, that would be awesome. And then Ellery will come back whenever she can. Yeah, definitely. And she loves you all. And I do. I and we love her. And she I made the podcast. All. Aw, no, I'm actually going to cry. No, don't cry. It's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. We love you. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Usually we cry at the beginning of the podcast. I know, I know. I'm crying at the end. But it's not the end. I can't even say meeting adjourned. Say it. You have to say it. (laughs) Okay, meeting adjourned. I love you guys. We love you. Oh, my gosh. Shut up. Stop. (laughs) This episode of the City Council podcast was written, created, and produced by Paula Viganalan and Ellery Smith. Our music was written and produced by Ruby Ibarra. Be sure to follow us at City Council, spelled S-E-L, show on Instagram and Twitter for more weekly podcasts and monthly live stand-up comedy shows. Thanks for listening. Yeah.